Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's July the 6th of 2022. It's the first episode of July. And you know what that means? Every time I go outside, it feels like I'm freaking waiting. It's awful. I'm living in Florida at this time of year sucks. It's so goddamn damp outside. That's fair. Um, do you get how you li- doing, Quinn? <laughs> I'm doing fine. It's a little warm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's quite as hellacious as you make your state out to be. Um, so it's it's disgusting and damp where you are, basically. Yes. Do you get to like with that feeling? Like, if you wore like an extra layer, could you like feel like like maybe like wetness between the layers and like make like uh, like like a fun like uh like wetsuit or something out of it i mean i was just wearing one layer before and every time that i went outside it was like i was going through an oven uh, so i don't want to experiment that far because if i do that then i feel like the two different layers will just kind of meld together into one big thick and kind of semi-liquidity uh layer instead and then the slime monster that is birthed from said scenario will uh, kick my ass. Said slime monster, any relation to Jubilex, the uh, demon lord of the abyss, the uh, leader of all slimes? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> I, I had a nerdy moment uh, in a comic book store, which feels oh, like... in a comic book store, you had a nerdy moment. Well, did... <laughs> it's, it's strange because even the comic book store guy was like, all right, this is a little dorky for me. And it's because I was there with my sister, uh, who just was like with me. And she was like, right, sure, I'll go in the comic book store. And, uh, at the checkout, she's like, oh, you should get that Demogorgon statue. Uh, and it's, you know, from, uh, stranger things. And, I was just at offhandedly mentioned as a joke. I was like, uh, excuse me. The only true Demigorgon is the two headed uh, ape monster who rules the abyss. And like the checkout guy was like, what the hell are you talking about? And then it became like a point to prove it. I was like, oh, you fools. So the Demigorgon in D and D lore is actually a chaotic Lord of the abyss. Not a dog at all. In fact, it is a, uh, it is a two headed ape who is perhaps the strongest of all the chaos lords however the two heads fight with each other and thus grid a check and balance <laughs> like you like, tell the shop game was the second way of just being like get the fuck out of my store see this is the problem with stranger things okay you can't just drop a honestly a little bit obs- obscure D fact like it's not one that i'm it wasn't one that i was super familiar with until that show came out honestly probably because of the addition of D that it was you know primarily used in you don't see it used a lot in yeah. you know subsequent editions but now it's like oh well because the kids played D, now all of the billions of people who have watched that show are familiar with the term demogorgon and it's no longer like see this is the problem <laughs> yeah it's like all these people know what a mind flare is and i'm like you don't even understand no you don't you don't know what a mind flare is you don't even know what eats brains do you <laughs> Like Sometimes they ride spaceships. <laughs> because mind flayers are fucking dope. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. And terrifying. They're very terrifying. It does uh, mildly amuse me that... Uh, so Magic Gathering has done uh, two uh, D&D related sets now. Officially, like, because they own the license for both. They just cross-contaminate them essentially all the time. Um, 
And to create several of the monsters in D&D, they have to create new types. So, like, I was actually kind of hoping when Beholders got a card, they would be classified as the eye creature type because there were currently, sure. like, three eye creatures in Magic and they fucking sucked. And I was like, come on, eye trial. But they actually made a Beholder creature or type. However, for Illithids, they didn't. They just called them horrors. And I was like, nah. yeah, I guess they are horrifying per se. But it was like, oh, I really wanted to tribal. Illith- Illithid's a good word to throw out. If Illithid had been thrown out in Stranger Things and been used, I would have been even more pissed. It's like, no, you can't use that word. Mind Flayer at <laughs> least is like recognizable words. But if there were just random people on the street, they're like, oh, yeah, Illithid. No, that word's lost all meaning now because <laughs> of you, just like Demogorgon, which at least I didn't care about before. Yeah, no one does, because the only cool Lord of the I, Abyss, as established, is Jubilex, Lord of Oozes. <laughs> Actually, That's it's right. the lame one no one likes. <laughs> like, it's the one that in canon all the other lords are like, Jubilex sucks. <laughs> Continues continuing the cement that my favorite of any collective group is always the Chad. It's always the one that just fucking eats shit in the lore. Oh God. Well, we've started off on a very cool note. Uh by the way, I still haven't seen Stranger Things season four. I, uh, I, I but it's all out now. All time. It's like an hour and a half for every episode. There's too many there's too many there's too many things. I'm no, so behind so. Witchers. I still haven't seen the last season of um, I haven't seen the last season of Witcher. I haven't seen the last season of uh, Cobra Kai. I haven't seen the boys new season. I haven't seen season two of Upload. I like I, I feel like I'm behind on like 100 shows. And I'm like, why don't I find time for this? Uh, I don't because I'm reading comic books, which is an insanely nerdy thing to do with my time. But I read it and then get sad when Colossus is in, in more stuff. Witcher season two was, in my opinion, not as good as season one, uh, mostly because it just got more into ongoing plot stuff. And I feel like that show is at its best when it's more just monster of the week, funny business. Yeah. Uh, and but Cobra Kai is always very good. So I, I want to check it out. I just keep forgetting to see gotcha. basically yeah. everything. All right. Now that we've caught you guys up on all, all that stuff, it was very important that we do so. I guess we'll talk about manga now. Sure. Uh, so we've got a weird lineup this week. Uh, in addition to the fact that, you know, Black Clover is still take, is still amping up for its final arc. One Piece is amping up for its final arc. Uh, we also just have like all these new series that we're trying out. And also um, there were a couple of special things which we'll briefly talk about later. So we're going to start, however, with at least at least this is still around for a little while more, which is My Hero Academia, chapter number 358. The guy who's made some progress, which is, oh, that's chapter titles are hard sometimes. (laughs) It's like you couldn't you could have like titled it the one who's made progress, at least. But it's the guy who's made made some progress progress dude who's made progress you're like all right sure yeah that guy got a little better i guess so last time we were all caught up in how the fight between endeavors group uh and all for one was going uh 
we aren't following up with that, but hey, that makes sense, right? We got, you know, the end of that last chapter, show Deku spotting some potential opposition coming towards him. Uh, don't pick up on that either. No. Uh, instead, we're in the fight with Shigaraki in the giant floating prison uh, and everyone who is up there. So Shigaraki has his quirk sealed because Monoma is use is copying Aizawa's uh, negation ability and keeping his quirk suppressed. But Shigaraki's quote unquote growth keeps on kicking in. So he's just got all, all of these hands growing out of each other and making giant um, columns and attacking tendrils and pillars and other gross things made of fingers and lashing out at everybody. And uh, it's not looking so great. Uh, we see Sun Eater and Nejure Chan, because that's her hero name, uh, nearly get beaten and crushed by them. She does that's... have like a, a cute new haircut, which is sort of the establishing thing that female characters are allowed to do. I think yes. I think someone said like her hair got burned off before or something like that, like an attack, like did something like that. But I was like, you know what? I like the new style. And as a female character, this is the extent to which you're allowed to express yourself. <laughs> narratively as a character yeah uh best genus uh starts shouting out orders to people because oh they've got to keep moving otherwise all the tentacles are going to get just swallow them up um edgeshot does a, a thing to one of the tendrils can we also just note that fucking uh best genus is just like rail grinding across the arena like he's fucking Tony Hawk. <laughs> but he's still like, keep on your toes, have to keep moving, pip pip. Best genius, aren't you like the, the, the second strongest hero there is at this point? Can't 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 you do something? Yes, but I've got to keep the combo going. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the zeros. It's getting so big, children! It's so big! Okay, but at least make sure you land the dismount. Otherwise, oh, oh he lost all of it. He lost all of it. He oh, wasted all nothing. that time building it up. So now he doesn't have time to, to get the quota. Uh, oh, just kind of started over. <laughs> Best gene is grinding for a top score is a great visual image. That's okay. I just wanted to listen to that one to that one song over again. You know, just the same two-minute loop of the beginning of that song. <laughs> Uh, if you don't get that reference, you're too young. So, uh, Shigaraki starts talking and it's, it's clearly all for one that's talking for him because this is not how Shigaraki talks. Uh, he's talking about the quirk taking root within him and the legion of stockpiled quirks within and how his body is searching, groping for its ideal form. Like clearly this is not Shigaraki anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, you know, you know what this means? We've got two all for ones that are talking now. Oh, and no. Getting um, and so all for one Shigaraki uh, starts bragging about how awesome he's going to be when the Hagyoku raises him to his next form. Sorry, when his new body manifests, this <laughs> all works. Uh, and how everyone is not even going to be able to comprehend his power and he'll crush them all. And uh, then he'll just destroy the world and remake it in a place where everyone is equal, subject to him, which 
is a form of equality. It's kind it's of. sort of equal, yeah. Everyone is equally beneath me. I mean, I do like the way that that is worded, at least. Like, oh, and everyone will be equal under my feet. Yeah. So. Uh, Bakugo says, I don't know if it's Shigaraki or all for one droning on right now, but, uh, this is really, really annoying. So I'm going to shut it all up by revealing the new thing that I've got uh, that the support course made for me. Lots of guns. (laughs) It is almost like a hilarious moment of just like, here's what everyone made for me. Oh shit ton of guns like yeah I guess I guess technically your power is being used to do it but I do just like the idea that they were like Bakugo we made a special gift for you guns <laughs> bullets you can shoot a hundred guns so we get the most Yu-Gi-Oh name for uh, a technique that we've gotten for a while which is suppressive heavy mobile unit strafe panzer if they're if Yu-Gi-Oh comes out with a, an archetype called Suppressive Heavy Mobile Unit, I won't actually be that surprised. I was going to say, do they not already have like a Strafe Panzer fucking uh, archetype? I mean, they do have giant cannons as a mini archetype. I was going to say, what is a mini, spider archetype. in? So, the big spider robot. Heavy launcher spider? Spider, uh, yeah, launcher spider. And then I think it got retrained recently into... It might have been Heavy Launcher Spider, it, which is actually a lot like what Bakugo looks like when he's got these giant ass cannons coming out of his shoulders. Um, it looks somewhere between cool and just stupid as fuck. I don't know exactly where it falls. I'm leaning a little bit towards the latter. Uh, so Bakugo starts shooting blasts everywhere in an effort to also just hit Shigaraki's body. Uh, and... Uh, he is also shouting out to everyone like, hey, everyone, we've got to destroy the body, which is sort of an indication that Bakugo is, you know, has learned teamwork, which I don't know if it necessarily reflects in his approach to things, but he is at least thinking about all the people that he's working with right now. How We're on the I... same team. I'm going to fire a shit ton of missiles everywhere. Indiscriminately. <laughs> it's OK. They're friend avoiding. uh yeah. Sweat I said blow up out. shots. So yeah. we're all good. <laughs> uh, and uh, he he says, you know, in response to all for one Shigaraki bragging about how strong he is, like, look, you're talking about all this power gap between us and how we don't understand it, how we're going to dread it. Look, I've 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 long since learned all of this stupid bullshit, and I've t- seen a real step toward progress with all that, and it might take time. But some people I know are trying to push forward. This is not a good speech, Bakugo. Just keep shooting stuff. It, just keep shooting stuff. It's fine. Uh, but he finishes strong by, by saying, thanks anyway, but you can shove your sermon, you nutsack-faced handyman. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, he's done it before, so it's not quite as special, but it is always great when he just calls the big bad of the series nutsack nutsack face uh and as he is getting into this speech and shooting stuff best genist is watching in like i guess admiration and shock and he goes from calling bakugo by his name to referring to him by his full superhero title of great explosion murder god dynamite because he recognizes him now so uh it's a nice, nice, nice little detail. So I, I will say I think this chapter is a little bit hard to follow at points. Maybe 
intentionally because there's supposed to be a bunch of explosions and kind of all, all sorts of effects going on that can be very visually busy. Uh, I'm still not quite understanding how Shigaraki's not allowed to use quirks, but he has a growth that can essentially function like one. It's one of these things that I'm like, I should just shut my brain off and not ask questions. Just be like, yeah, go along with it. But it is one of those things of just like, I, I, I'm having trouble parsing what that means in the context of this series. Um, but for the most part, I thought it was fine. You know, things are bad. Bakugo is going to try to clean it up. Go heroes. Yep. Let me get a full page spread to end the chapter. Bakugo using a new version of his howitzer impact move cluster. So he's, he's shooting out lots and lots of explosion bullet things. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in agree. I'm in agreement with you in terms of the chapter being kind of difficult to follow in terms of just purely the action. Uh, that's kind of just been the case for my hero academia of late. Um, as we've got these massive, chaotic battles with multiple people involved and lots of shit everywhere constantly. Yeah, it, it gets a bit difficult to follow the action. I'm just more caught up in, okay, we've got two all for ones to be boring now. Uh, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Undead Unluck number 117. Forgive and a nice color page of yeah. uh, Ghost Fuku being freed from her cage, as that's what's happened. She has been literally freed from her cage uh, as Andy grabs her and prepares to put her back into her physical body. Basically, that's how it works. Go in there. Ghost, Yume Ghost, tries to stop this. He's like, I'll eat the prize, and if that happens, I can revive. But he suddenly stopped as a bunch of other spirit balls sort of get in his way and goes just like what the fuck are these get out of my way if i die you all disappear what kind of guy here and you know they've stalled him long enough that andy basically is like oh, i need to open the door the shield's in the way i guess that stops ghosts uh and miko shows up and she's like don't worry i'm going to open this and i'm going to start the thawing process so hurry and put fuko's soul inside so andy does it he you know pushes her in and then we get a moment of Miko sort of doing this and not looking at her father, but talking to him, saying, I'll handle the rest, Pappy. I'm sorry I wasn't able to save you. Can we just, like, uh, voice her as Popeye? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll handle the rest. I'm sorry I wasn't able to save you. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the whole thing, because I actually might cry if I have to read it legitimately because uh, the pain at the emptiness that you felt from losing me ma yeah, it was a boy that just can spills on my own <laughs> <laughs> look you say pappy my mind's going to one place <laughs> you, not only that you have a great Popeye you've been sleeping sitting on I don't know where did you pull that out of <laughs> I don't know okay. <laughs> um, Nico just says Miko you're wrong you just weren't the right fit. The hole that opened up once I lost her could only be filled with her. And then he's like, no, that's not true. You probably could have filled it, but I was too afraid and ran away. Changing the shape of the hole to fit you, letting myself forget her, I was afraid to do either. And it's, oh my God, that's like, that, <laughs> that sentiment is brutal. And then mm. someone just says, well, them's the brakes. And Nico looks up 
and he sees his wife, uh, Achika, and the other scientists who died. And she says, I guess I was just too damn charming, right? And uh, she just says, yeah, you know, I bet you're never going to forget this, right? And he goes just like, yeah, I'm never going to forget this. He's also going to die very soon. So, you know. Oh, he is absolutely going to die. (laughs) Uh, There was like a moment. They're like, oh, is this going to work? Is uh, the strain maybe putting too much of a or the defrosty maybe putting too much of a strain on our body, etc. And uh, Chica is just like, do you? think she's going to be able to handle it referring to miko and he's like yeah how you talk about it? she's our daughter obviously she's going to do it she doesn't make mistakes and uh the electric shock works fuko wakes up and immediately like leaps into like a hug into andy and she's sobbing because she's like why why did things turn out this way while i was a soul i could sense everything that was going on and Rip and Lotla, they're dead now, aren't they? Just because they loved somebody and tried to get them back and all these little misunderstandings are causing nice people to die. And Mr. Nico, he is someone who shouldn't have to die either, but he's going to. And she just kind of like sobs and says like, I get it now. We're going to the loop, right? But am I really the right person for this? Like, there should be others. What about Miss Juez? What about Mr. Billy? Isn't the whole point of this loop to save everybody? Then then why me? I can't save anyone on my own. And it's kind of awesome because in the background of that shot, a dragon, I believe, made of blood just erupts from the floor <laughs> attacking Tatiana, who is very excited because uh, Fuko is back to life. And she just says, hey, you've got to go through the loop. Mr. Billy said so. He said that undead and unluck will negate destiny. And I have faith, not just in what Mr. Billy said, but as someone who's fought by your side, I have faith in you. And she activates her untouchable, rips this dragon, and more importantly, rips a hole straight down through Union headquarters to where uh, Ruin is, who just looks up and he's just like, you guys are really lucky, aren't you, undead unlucky? You guys just don't stay dead. So this is a crazy chapter. Yeah. Gut punching emotion. And then like, okay, now uh, we've got a fight scene to do. So let's get to it. Yeah. It's, it was super emotional. Um, I, I really do just love that sentiment of Nico being like, no, there was a whole shape like her. You were never going to fill it. And he's like, no, you probably could, but I was just too scared to forget what little I had. It's, it's, it's a very sad thing. We kind of noted before that like, Oh, yeah, he has a daughter who hasn't really felt like she plays any sort of role in this. And I can only imagine, I don't know when the next loop is going to catch in. I imagine there's still a chance that Achika might be dead, but hopefully in that world, like, Miko plays a part in getting Miko mm. a happy ending, so to speak. So, but. yeah. Uh, I like how old Nico looks in this yeah. chapter. Uh, how shriveled and sunken his fe- features are when, uh, you know, he's, he's never shown his age prior to this chapter, really. Uh, he just you can just tell, like, everything he's been carrying has not only now sunken in, but like he, there's nothing he can really do about it. And he's going to die. Uh, but at least he's not dying completely full of regret. He did at least get to see his wife. He did. And that's you'll never forget it. It's, you know, a very, very sweet sentiment. Um, So. I also don't know how much longer Undead Unluck is going to last. 
Um, like we keep on hearing this, like, oh, it's gearing up to, you know, enter like the final battle or whatever. It's like, okay, does that refer to the battle with Ruin or so is the loop the final battle? We or were, how much are we going to see? We were told um, a little bit ago that a couple chapters from now, Undead and Luck would be entering sort of like the final phase, final fight, final arc. It's kind of unclear exactly what the wording is, but I believe it's the same wording that was used when Promised Neverland kind of entered its last sequence of chapters. I think we're going to get some kind of conflict here with Ruin. I don't know if he'll die. I don't know if that's something they're saving for like the next loop. Essentially, I believe Fuku is going to get in the next loop and we are going to see the next loop. I don't know how dense it's going to be. I don't know if we're going to get multiple arcs of like each character having their issues solved or if it's going to be more montage or what they're going to do. I don't think Undead Unluck is ending anytime immediate though. I would imagine we're probably going to see it run until like the end of this year, maybe early next year or something like that. That, that seems likely. Yeah, and I guess we'll also have to see, you know, if 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 uh if Top and Chikara end up together with people other than each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what fanfiction's for, so I could write the correct answer. that up. It's very important, you know. Andy said, like, look, I've seen, you know, look, you guys clearly are attracted to these two people. I can tell, uh, because I know a thing or two about yeah. this. So, are we gonna get rid of the solution on that? There are so. Uh, there are a lot of things that it feels like we are being set up to need resolution for um, because of all the different people that have suffered tragedies as a result of their uh, abilities. Um, and I feel like a few of them might upset me if I don't get closure on them. Yeah. So see how long we have to set, wrap those up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Yeah, let's uh, jump into Akane Banashi. Story 20, BM. So this uh, chapter focuses on Karashi, the uh, favorite to win the tournament for a third straight time. The three-peat, you might say. Uh, So we get this flashback into Karashi's past where he was presumably at least two or three years younger. uh, And he looks the exact same. So he has apparently done zero growing in high school. He was just always this weird height. So he basically says like, Oh, you know, if I were to tell people that my hobby was stand up comedy, that'd be kind of boring. But if I tell them it's rock ago, that seems more highbrow. And so when I was going into this first rock ago orientation thing, I thought, Oh, I'll make me look really clever and cool. Right. And that's why I joined the Rocket Girl Club. He's a fucking poser. <laughs> it is kind of amusing that that's why he gets into Rocket Girl. He's like, I want to be cool. Just saying I'm into stand-up isn't really cool. That's a boring answer. I'm going to say I got into Rocket Girl. Like, I'm going to get into a hyper-specific version of this art form. That'll make me cool. And that's just what he went along with. Like, that's his entire motive. Like, he's just like, yeah, that was my catalyst. That was my genesis to all of this. <laughs> I wanted to sound cool. I'm not going to tell people that I am into acapella. I'm going to tell them that I'm into improvisational uh, bebop. And <laughs> that'll make me seem way more yeah, interesting. Everyone will be like, this dude, this dude slaps. That's right. Uh, but 
as Karashi uh, learned as he was, you know, watching, you know, these, you know, kids perform Rakugo, he was like, I don't really actually gonna get this because these stories are old. They're outdated. They use outdated terminology uh, for things. And as he was looking around some of the other students, he saw one guy like falling asleep during the middle of this performance. And so he thought, yeah, if you don't get what's going on, this can't hold to your interest. So I chose a different path. And we cut into his uh, performance and he starts telling this story. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you come across these know-it-alls in your life. So there's this big there's this lab at a big university and a graduate who's going to reveal his research before the professor. And then he starts getting into it. And uh, so the girl who was with the uh, magazine turns to the expert and is like, he did this like yesterday, too. I thought, is this allowed? Are you allowed to tell Rakugo like this? And the main guy is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. There are Rakugoka who do their own stories in the modern day. The classics aren't the only things you can do with Rakugo. Uh, you can, I mean, especially if you write about it for a living, you've got to know this stuff. Uh, and so the girl says like, oh, so he made his own original story. And the guy's like, eh, yes, but no. Uh, and the longer he gets into it, the more it becomes clear that he's doing his own version of the story that Akane did previously in the series, Tenshiki, about the monk who was asked if he, you know, farted and didn't know it so he was like oh yeah i i i fart all the time and stuff it's that story but he's changing out the setting for a modern one he's changing out the terminology for modern terminology and the misunderstanding is that he uses the phrase bm which the university student doesn't understand and it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't know what it stands for. So then he asks, you know, another student to look it up. And then when the guy asks about it, he's like, oh, yeah, uh, he goes to find it out. And eventually Akane's teacher catches on. He's like, oh, wait, this does sound familiar. And Koguma says, yeah, it's 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 Tenshiki. So they go through this. and It's like, OK, so the point is that BM, the joke is the BM stands for bowel movement. So, oh, if you are the. So it's like, oh, yeah, I fart all the time. So he doesn't know what he's going on. He doesn't know he's saying he's been. Uh, and they're like, yeah, this is a type of Rakugo that is designed to be a big hit at the Karaku Cup finals because it's, you know, opened up. It's like, oh, all these amateurs presenting stuff. So it's got all these kind of outsiders to the uh, artistry of Rakugo. So they're really into it because they're less familiar with all the ins and outs of Rakugo, but they understand what a university professor saying that he's pooping is funny. So they're into it. And Karashi is like triumphant is like the crowd is starting to get big and laughs. And uh, he's like, yeah, we think about this show, Arakawa, you know, I'm getting this big audience reaction. Uh, and as he's doing this and the crowd is getting more and more into it, he's thinking to himself like, yeah, Rakugo is this long standing traditional art form, but it's also pop culture. So you've got to keep trying to keep people laughing and times change. People laugh at different stuff. You can't keep telling the same story the same way for centuries on end because our generation is going to get it the same way that people did hundreds of years ago. I'm taking the old traditions 
and remixing them. <laughs> and we get a visual of him at a fucking DJ station. I was like, you know, for as extra as this concept is, I'm glad they went full force on it, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, he says, this is the Rakugo styling of Karashi Nerimaya. And we get this big page and a half page splash of him posing against this hideously stupid backdrop. <laughs> it looks so dumb. It's like the back of a comic book from the 70s in terms of its styling. So he finishes strong. Everyone's been laughing at his performance. The MC uh, takes the stage and asks what Master Isho thinks of this. And Isho Arakawa says, yeah, that didn't make me laugh. Uh, I guess I'm just not the target audience for this. Uh, you, you got a really good audience reaction, and I acknowledge that, but you know, how well can you take the shared legacy of Rakugo and make it your own? The ability to wield your own creativity is in many ways the lifeblood of the Rakugoka. The story you performed today was highly suggestive in an amusing way, and I'm eager to see what your future holds. And uh, that's it. So obviously not as strong a reaction as in the first chapter where he was like, all y'all suck, get out. Uh, he was very like, just like, it wasn't for me, which is a very diplomatic reaction to someone who clearly hated the fucking performance. Yeah. So Karashi goes back in and, uh, you know, there's someone who's being like, oh, you've got a great future ahead of you. Karashi is like, oh, shut up. You're embarrassing yourself. You think he was being serious. He said that he wasn't. He also said that I wasn't funny too. But the guy observes, like, "Well, you look like you're smiling to me," which kind of upsets Karashi. But uh, I don't know. Uh, and uh, he happens to turn to Akane as he's walking, and he's like, "Yeah, see, see, yeah, I made my point anyway. If you're just rehashing a classic without a single creative angle, you can't beat me." And uh, of course, yeah, if she's just performing Jugemu. If she's just going to do it the same way it's always been done, then she's probably not going to get as strong a reaction as he did. But Akai doesn't go next. It's time for Hikaru and to see what she can do. Uh, And this has Koguma in particular really worried uh, because uh, Hikaru is doing a certain story that he thinks could potentially leave a lot of trouble for Akai to have to immediately follow up. He's doing the Jugemu suck story where they just talk about how much the story of Jugemu sucks. That would be a very interesting story. <laughs> like she just, she's like, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm just doing it to fuck with you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's it. Uh, I thought that this was just kind of an. I thought it was interesting to see this because this is obviously a problem that a lot of different uh, entertainment medium media uh, run into, which is people's tastes change over time. uh, So you kind of have to change with the times, but then you run into the problem of, okay, at what point does the thing that you're changing stop being the thing that it was adapted from? Uh Uh, The, I was trying to think for, the last several days to try and find an appropriate comparison. And the best that I can come up with is stage magic. Um, it has changed in terms of the way that's presented. Obviously, you know, people no longer are 
meant to believe that the person performing is supposed to be magic. But then on top of that, you've got this kind of difference in opinion of like, okay, should your audience know what the trick is when you do it? And in some cases, like, you know, performers are like, well, no, it's, it's fine. You know, if you tell the secret to somebody of certain tricks, because, uh, it's not like they're going to lose their appreciation for it. Some people say, no, no, it defeats the entire purpose, the entire presentation in terms of doing it. In my opinion, I feel like if you're able to be impressed by something and then after you're impressed by it initially, if you learn how it's done, then you have that greater appreciation for how difficult it is to perform. But I think that that's different for everyone. But there's that stark contrast in certain people in the magic community who are like, oh, no, no, no. Only insiders should know any of this stuff all the way down to it's everyone knows it's not real anyway. So it doesn't matter. You know, people appreciate your technique, even if they know the secret of it or whatever. Uh, and then you've got this contrast between Karashi and Isho. And neither of them are presented as the one in the right in this because they're both antagonists. So you're not supposed to side with either of them. And you're not really given an argument beyond just Karashi's stance on it. And he shows saying he doesn't get it in terms of if this is a good or a bad thing for to try and remix the classics. Mm. So it was interesting uh, to see it. Yeah, I, I think this it's an interesting little character quirk for him. Um, and I think ultimately I'm more interested in what Hikaru has going on. Cause I think she's the character with a little bit more substance to her. Um, but you know, this was still a good one. If we're going to create two rivals out of this, this one seems like a good one. And I also like that, uh, Arakawa kind of fucking, uh, dunks on him to be like, absolutely. Yeah. I really laugh. But everyone here seemed to like it. So, you know, I it's so passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this did make me think that maybe we will actually see Karashi beyond this story arc because it seems like we're not done with him in terms of uh, like, you know, he didn't storm off in a huff. It seems like the way he reacted to it, maybe he'll come back later down the line. So. All right, let's talk about Aliens Area. Chapter number five, Exile. So, uh. Last time, Tatsumi and Shiguma. Shiguma. There you go. Uh, oh, it's like Sigma. Okay. So Tatsumi and, Sh- and Shiguma uh, encountered this weird alien that looks like a doll. And it's not fun to look at. Uh, and so it was speaking in this weird, incomprehensible language. So Shiguma just takes out this little microphone tiny microphone thing and just pops it in her neck and immediately she can speak their language is all right that was easy i guess but it also makes sense i suppose it's like yeah we gotta have a way to communicate with aliens so here translator device uh the squid like thing that they ran to before uh emerges uh and demands that they step away from the princess and tries to uh, attack them uh except they immediately step away from her and um instead the princess just hugs the squid thing whose name is nyame um and uh the nyame introduces it itself i'm gonna say as uh the princess's butler the princess's name is payoon and says that the, they ran away from their home planet uh, and someone's probably going to come and retrieve them at a certain point. 
However, Lady Pion is the seventh princess, so it could take some time. Whatever that means, I'm sure we'll learn more later. Tatsumi is like, hmm. so she's an alien princess and leans in close and the princess starts biting his scalp. Okay. Yeah, she's a fucking gremlin. Yep. Nyame says she is expressing affection. Uh, Nyame says that they need to take shelter because someone is coming after the princess and is going to kill her. And also, it's the galaxy's most skilled assassin, which makes everyone go, hmm. And then Payun tries to buy Tatsumi again. Okay. Uh, then Shigama realizes that something is up. It tells Tatsumi to take Payun and run. Uh, as a figure jumps down towards them, Shigama has detected them and uh, hits a button on his anti-gravity watch thing uh, and starts fighting this guy. Uh, dodges out of the way of their initial attack. Uh, this dude... Um, Imagine a, an evil ninja from a manga. There you go. He looks like that. <laughs> so <laughs> this very alien looking guy, he's got pointy ears. He looks like an alien. I swear. Uh, they start fighting. Uh, and uh, Nyame is, is like, oh, that man's killed three in the royal family already. Okay. Uh, and that man is known as, and they start fighting and he tries to slash his sword at Shigama who tries to block it with his cane, but the blade disappears, uh, and then reappears. And it's like that thing that, you know, like Ichimaru would do in Bleach where, you know, the blade shoots out after it retracts and stuff. But Shigama does a bullet time dodge backward thing. Uh, and our assassin dude is introduced as Ninotachi twin blades. Uh, and, um, um, he activates a thing, uh, and there's like he's he's got like a special gear like Shigama does, although his appears in like an alien language instead of just saying equipment one activated stuff. Um, Nyame keeps on freaking out because that is apparently his role in the series to go, oh man, he's screwed. Uh, and Tatsumi is just standing there holding this tiny princess. And Shigma's like, I want to see how well our equipment stay holds up against this guy. I'm going to fight him. Okay. I I actually kind of like this chapter. I thought it was kind of dope. I don't know. Like, this dude shows up and he, he has that lightsaber fighting style where you just turn off the lightsaber on and off, basically. <laughs> that apparently both the Jedi and the Sith were like, all right, this is a little bullshit. We're not going <laughs> to... We can agree to disagree. We're like, we're not going to keep using this, right? So only like weird outside people use it. Um... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to act like this. Like, Nick, I, I've turned around. Aliens area is fucking awesome. It rules. Uh, but I'll say I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's enjoyable. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. All right. There you go. A rounding uh, <laughs> round of applause and praise from both of us here at WMR. I mean, you can hijack it if you want that to be the case. I just <laughs> I really don't care. So. All right. Blue Box, chapter number 59. We didn't. <laughs> uh, color page on this one. Uh, showing Hina looking cute. Mm -hmm. yep. So. <laughs> I forgot about this weird conversation that Taiki and Shinatsu have at the start. Because they just are talking about how Pokari is normally super sweet. But if you drink it after a workout, it doesn't taste all that sweet. Why is that? And Shinatsu says, oh, it's because you're tired. 
because you've been sweating and you need to replace nutrients. Okay. Uh, I, this feels like the dumb shit conversation teenagers would have where you're just yeah. like, yeah, sure, dude. <laughs> yeah, and and, of, and what's, I feel like what's missing is the sense that what they're saying, they think it's very insightful. Yes. You know, the way that, you know, teenagers when observing very normal things is like, actually, yeah, you know, I feel like, you know, if you drink Gatorade at a certain point, then actually it feels like, yeah, like pretty much. All right. <laughs> Taiki realizes that Shinatsu saw his match and he feels like he didn't look super cool during it. Understandable. He did do a full splits and bang his balls into the floor. Uh, but uh, Shinatsu says that he looked great out there. And Taiki does a very good job of holding his composure. He's like, um, thank you. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, but then he's like, oh, he starts to push it. He says, the reason I won was thanks to you, Chinatsu Senpai. Those daily morning drills you did, how you ran your heart out during practice, because I saw you do all that, I ended up realizing I could do a lot more than I thought. So I'm going to keep on learning from you and do my best. Today, I barely won. Next time, I want to win big. Aww. And uh, Chinatsu is like, yeah, good. Yeah, so uh, they hear music uh, because the school orchestra is practicing for the culture festival. And then they just kind of like make, make idle chip chat for a little bit. And then Chinatsu kind of starts under her breath singing along to the, the song. And Taiki watches her for a second. And then he says, Oh man, I'm surprised. Uh, I thought you'd be a great singer. <laughs> it is. It's one of these things you're like, I, you know, a nice little detail to show she's not a perfect person and there are like, you know, things she's good at, things she's not. It is one of those ones like, Taiki, you dumb idiot. Why would you say that? <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad that he feels like he can be that honest with her, though. <laughs> It'd it, be super creepy if he just lied. <laughs> it, it, well,. I mean, more so, I guess it's that he he, I guess, tries to say it in a way that's not like you suck at singing. But it's just like, man, I would not have said that out loud if you were crushing on this girl. (laughs) I don't know why telling someone they're not a good singer feels like a like a weirdly very visceral insult. Um. They also talk about, like, how good other people they know are at singing, because Taiki says he's just, you know, an average singer. Uh, he's like, yeah, Haru Senpai is good. Cho knows really good, which makes sense. Uh, uh, and uh, Kyo won't sing in front of other people. Oh, Kyo! Kyo! Kyo. Oh, you're so... Won't do anything. That makes you so interesting. Kyo. Uh, and uh, but upon mentioning Hina, Chinatsu says, "Oh yeah, she she came to watch too." Uh, and uh, she's and then Taiki, in thinking about her, thinks about how you know she was like talking about them kissing and getting all hot and blushy and stuff. And Taiki's like, "Oh, oh, uh, I still haven't worked through how I feel about what happened there. Uh, embarrassed about it." Um, so he switches back to, he's like, oh yeah, you know, thanks for supporting me. That's, that's why I won. Uh, uh, and then she asks like, oh yeah, how's the play coming? Cause I saw you guys, you know, building the set and stuff. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's going fine. Uh, and the, all the stuff that they added in is, you know, actually going to be, it's looking good. Cause the stuff they had is going to be funny. And she says, yeah, how about the kiss? We didn't. 
just immediately, <laughs> immediately blows it. Um, and of course, she has no idea what he's talking about. Uh, and she's like, I was wondering what you guys were going to do about the kiss in the play. Because, you know, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, a girl is going to be playing the prince. But I was like, oh, yeah, they're just they're they're not going to kiss. They're just going to pretend they're going to use their imagination like we did. We didn't do anything. I have to go now. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's going to work. Someone's (laughs) someone's going to pretend to kiss, you know, just like, ah. Anyway, he so finish, he just keeps that note and just runs away with his arms in the air. Ah! <laughs> like there's a moment where like this dude just beat like a, a person who's considered like one of the best in like the area to support like a very big like uh, athletic accomplishment, and you're like, oh yeah, this clumsy motherfucker did like fall on his balls earlier today. Like I guess he's just not as <laughs> obscenely talented as we saw. We think he is based just off that victory. We're gonna get to like. Taiki's senior year, he's going to be interviewed because he won nationals or whatever. It's like, oh, Taiki, uh, man, you really like in the in that last round, you really delivered the kiss of death to your opponent. No, 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 I did not. I did not. No kiss. No kiss. (laughs) This interview is over. He just eats the mic. (laughs) (laughs) You have other microphones. I don't know why you did that. I'll eat them all. Go to me. It tastes sweet after a victory. Oh. Uh, doesn't your mouth hurt? Not as much as it hurt after I pretended I would kiss. Oh, I mean, <laughs> shut up. You're really good at this. Like, no, you're just very bad at this. No composure. So, yeah, almost. Almost literally, Taiki just runs away because he says, like, oh, it's just going to be a pretend kiss. That's all. And and he hears the first possible excuse. I was like, hey, where'd Taiki go? I got to go. And he runs off and trips like 20 feet away. (laughs) It's exactly what you want out of like. I feel like this is how high school works. It's like you will go from the highest highs to the lowest lows so quickly. So it's like. Oh, I just had this, you know, I won this big sports match. It's great. And then I got to sit with my crush and kind of talk about the world and have this very gentle conversation. Then I made a gigantic social faux pas. And in my efforts to flee from the scene, tripped clumsily in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very, it's in very short summation. These two pages are Taiki almost gives away that he was thinking about kissing another girl in front of his crush and runs away. And she watches after him confused and with the wind blowing her hair. So she looks thoughtful, but it, that does not fully illustrate how much of a doofus this boy looks like. (laughs) Oh man. I love them. I love these stupid little kids. The practice meet ends. So Yusa and his school are leaving as they do, Taiki comes up to his rival and uh, gives him what looks like just like his wallet or something. It says, hey, hey, you, you forgot this. Uh, and then Taiki also gets called away. But before they part, uh, uh, Yusa calls to him and then pauses. And then he's just like, 
Uh, so, uh, is, how do you spell your last name? Is it, it you know, like in a, bo- a boar and stuff? And and Taiki's like, yeah, um, I guess. And she just says, yeah, if I don't know how to spell a name in kanji, then I don't usually remember it. So, see you again, Unamata. So, a very, you know, blunt and yet also... Um, you're meet him so he has recognized him as a rival as well so good for you taiki uh however after uh losing to taiki we found out that yusa beat haru so jam <laughs> Uh, which could potentially mean, you know, several different things. Maybe like Yusa was looking past Taiki ahead to the big match against the guy who beat him in the official match. And that's one of the reasons he lost. Or it could just mean that Taiki has improved a lot more than he thought he did. Maybe Haru just wasn't focusing. Who knows? Yeah, but uh, a lot of things. Yeah. And also just any given Sunday. So yeah. the day ends. Psyche goes home uh, and uh, when he gets called down for dinner later, he's so exhausted uh, from everything that's happened that day that he doesn't come down. He's just asleep in his bed Uh, and he has a dream about going to a national qualifying match and he imagines that he wins, that he beats his rival Yusa and that Yusa acknowledges it. He's like, "Oh, oh man, you totally beat me. Uh, I do like the detail that even in Taiki's dreams, Yusa is just like, hey, let's have another match like right now. Like he's just on to the next thing. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Dream Chinatsu comes in with a like five liter bottle of Pocari. I don't know why. I don't know why. But this made me laugh so fucking much in this dream logic of like, here's your trophy. Congratulations. Just a giant bottle of Gatorade, essentially. Which also shrinks when she hands it to him, yeah. but whatever, dream. Uh, and then she's just like, hey, and you looked great out there. Now here's a celebratory kiss. And Tyke's like, but, but, we, but we can't. Uh, he starts to lean in for it. But then Hina comes up from behind and grabs his hand. And she says, I'm not going to let that happen. And she leans in for a kiss. And then Taiki wakes up. And um, he's just uh, like, oh. That was a weird dream. <laughs> yeah, it's it's intense. Now, detail. He appears to have a bottle of Picari sweat in his room by him. Yes. Do you believe that is the same bottle of Picari set that sweat that uh Chinasu gave him and he is keeping that bottle as a memento? If he is, dude, that's creepy. Give it get calm down. <laughs> um if we if we hang on, if we enhance the footage, okay. hang on. <laughs> I Look cannot tell if I cannot tell if there is still liquid in that or not. If there is, then that's perfectly fine that that bottle is sitting there. That just means that he hasn't finished it. That's why it's sitting there. How how long? I don't. I've never really drank great Gatorade in my life. Does it sit well at room temp? Like, I, I assume you would drink know. cold and then finish it. It's not like a. I'm gonna save this for myself as a little treat for later. Some lukewarm fucking. Uh, you know, Baja Blast, that's a soda, but whatever. Luke Glacier Blast, whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, alternate explanation is that he is a lazy teenager and he just didn't throw it away. If that bottle is still there in a scene where we see that's like set a week or more from now, 
then it's time to start being like, okay, Taiki, are you just really lazy or are you being creepy? Is it cute if like six months from now he's like, he he hands her the bottle and he's like, here's this for you? No, no, (laughs) no. No. He can keep the cap. If he keeps the cap, that's less creepy. Why the cap? Because it's at least a small thing that's easy to put away somewhere. Okay. If you have a full, it's a full bottle. Like, where do you, where do you keep a bottle? It's so obtrusive. Now, Nick, in fairness, didn't you, uh, when you were in college, have like a tower of soda cans next to you? Yes. But yes, I now, did. Imagine one of those cans. I attracted ants. Came... Okay. <laughs> Uh, what Don't, if one of those was from Quinn? Quinn, why are you <laughs> why are you talking about that time in my life like that makes it more excusable? Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying we, you know, let's get them. That is an example of why he needs to get rid of it. <laughs> like, that is true. He is going to get ants this way. That is, that is a That's real... why you need to get rid of it. <laughs> All right. Now, now we know exactly where it is. God. Um, I want to I go can't... in. There was more than a 12-pack that would just sit on my window. <laughs> and I kept knocking it over. And it's like, I'll just pack it back up. I just remember that. Like, we'd be at Sky uh, Hall. So you just hear, like, <laughs> you're like, oops. Hold on. God, I lived in fucking filth. God. Thank God that was that long ago. Yeah. We all have our we all have our, our great memories. So in conclusion, no, don't do that. Uh let's go in with this high energy and let's start talking about everyone's favorite series. Duran Duran. I could not believe this chapter. <laughs> this chapter is called Chapter Twenty Nine, Namishiro Kitabatake, which I am never going to be able to pronounce properly unless I just stop and stare at the word because that's a that's a tongue twister. <sighs> this chapter is just all about this dude and how cool of a samurai he is. It really is just a chapter about how fucking awesome this one dude is, supposedly. <laughs> and how strong he is and how they come up against some strong Mononoke and uh, his unit gets attacked and he's just constantly grinning and being encouraging and saying, hey, guys, let's keep on getting stronger and improving together. Uh, and he has this dope sword technique that basically um, defends him against any unseen attack uh, by just emitting a serrated blade out of the side of it to counter anything that tries to attack him. Uh and uh, he says to everyone, like, hey, you know, like, everyone's starting to counterattack us, but we did a good job. We exterminated several groups, so let's just withdraw. Mission success. Get out of here. But as they're making their way through the forest, they sense a uh, strange power coming from this weird-looking gate that has all of these, like, black talismans on it. Uh, so he just turns to the, his group and says, your guys are tired, so you wait here, and I'll destroy the shrine gate. Which... Okay. Uh, and they start to say, like, well, but we want to go with you. And he, I mean, I do like this detail. He, he's, tell, he, you know, he's like, I just want all the glory for myself. Let me do this. Because he's, he's worried about them. And he doesn't want them to put themselves in danger. So he comes up with a selfish reason for himself to do this. To kind of save them face. 
But he goes to attack the gate and this figure completely covered in bandages slash seals of some kind appears. Uh, and it's Hanzo Miyamoto, the one behind everything, calling the Mononoke here. Uh, and Namishiro's like, oh, well, I don't sense any threat from him at all. So I'll just kill this guy and end it. <laughs> cool. Uh, but he's too slow because another Mononoke appears. This guy, lo- this thing looks really cool because uh, he's a skull with hair and a beard. Uh-huh. Uh, and immediately he just he, he teleports in and punches Namishiro into the ground. <laughs> Uh, even with his evasive guarding ability thing, he just gets punched into the ground. Uh, and the skeletal figure that has appeared uh, bows before uh, Miyamoto and uh, is like, oh, I'm so thrilled that I've got this great meal to look forward to. Namishiro scoots away, uh, gets on the radio and says, hey, this is very bad. Uh, you guys leave. Get back to headquarters. Leave me here. And they're like, well, what's going on? leave just leave uh and he's like this is very bad uh this thing is super strong i had had i have no idea that monarchy could even be this strong and if i hadn't parried with my ability i would already be dead and even using it he still managed to get the better of me uh and uh so he's thinking like wow even with all of the samurai forces officers together I mean, even Mr. Sukahara couldn't beat this thing, which seems like a bit of an exaggeration, mm-hmm. probably, considering that more of this guy show up, essentially. So probably he's wrong. But uh, he's like, oh, man, if only there were some other samurai here that could take care of Miyamoto, then I would just, you know, have to hold this thing off. But no, I've got to stop this thing. I've got to I've got to beat it, even if it costs me my life. Uh, and then multiple other Monoke come in that are literally just as strong as this guy. So there's I five, could have six sworn things. to God one of these designs was already used in this fucking series. The dude with the fucking wheel head. I was like, didn't we fight this thing already? <laughs> Maybe. Also, there. I mean, it's it's based off of a this of a demon thing from Japanese folklore. So it also got used by uh, Black Maria in One Piece. So. Uh-huh. The flaming head in her hammer thing. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Five new super strong bad guys. Oh no! And yeah, and also Miyamoto is there, and also <laughs> remember the last the sp- time we were introduced to a new villain group, and Ushio took out all of them. In yeah. The yeah. But these guys are all really strong. They're as strong as the entire samurai force put together. All of them. Each of them independently. Namishiro gets really pissed because uh, his, his his fellow samurai got killed. Um, okay. Uh, and uh, Miyamoto's like, when your disciples are so weak, obviously Goki would be as well. Why didn't that old man know this would happen? And Namishiro gets really pissed off. So he uh, he just summons lots of samurai power. And he says, a strong heart can always defeat evil. Uh, and he rushes towards the skeletal one, and that's where the chapter ends. So the new hero of our series, uh, we'll see how well he he holds up. Well, you know, it was a pretty significant <sighs> scene when they took out the Flame Hashira uh, in the Demon Slayer. 
And, you know, I think that's going to be kind of this equivalent scene. You know, we're going to lose. You know, I say that. I think we've known this guy for about as long as you've known the Flame Hasher. He just actually had a bit more presence to him. <laughs> so. It's amazing what that'll do. Yeah. And, but... you know, like a, mo- like a movie long, like, story arc before. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to run into this. You know, this is, this is an iconic moment for this series. You know, God. after after the highest of the Dosen saga, you got to kind of go down. But we've 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 done our world building. Now we're ready for our next big story beat, and it's the loss of um. Well, I don't remember his name, but once we name the saga after, everyone's gonna remember. Namishiro Kibat Kibat Kitaba Kibatata Okay, okay, so so it's not you say Namishiro, I say Nami sheer goat because he's a great top tier character <laughs> i mean competition's not stiff in Dorondoron. like <laughs> how much of it is ironic how much of it is true nick when is the last time a series has had a stalwart cool character who is super strong and gets back up uh whenever something happens now don't immediately just say the other member of dora's group <laughs> because that's cheating <laughs> I literally was looking at this guy being like, why don't we just like have the guy that we've already met do this? Because <laughs> this guy's so much cooler. He's got two colors in his hair. He's like a Yu-Gi-Oh protagonist. Oh, man. It was such a good idea the last time that the Dorondoron just like got rid of a certain supporting character and replaced them with another one that really wasn't all that different. So, <laughs> What are you talking about? Jinjio's going to come back any day now. She's part of her any day. squad. Look, we, we, it's, it's confirmed. She's been training. She's gotten so much stronger. She's coming back. I hope she shows up with a new haircut and does nothing. Like, just oh. to, like, really epitomize just look, how much of a waste this is. Look, that video package looks kind of creepy, so I'll bet that that means Gincio's coming back. <laughs> just got to read in all the signs, you know? They're in Cleveland next week. That's where they're from. <sighs> all right. Quinn, I've got a puzzle for you. <laughs> Nick, I have two puzzles for you. Oh, my God. So many puzzles. It's a lot of puzzles. We're not going to talk right. about PPP this week. This is just the puzzle podcast. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine first, and okay. then we can get into yours. All right. Private Pooch's peasantry precedes Peppy, period. Private Pooch's? Yes. Like a dog. Exactly like a dog. Private Pooch's precedes Peppy. And I'll get them the chat as well. Yeah, I might need to see this out loud. Private Pooch's peasantry precedes Peppy period. It's not Triple H. It is not, no. I was thinking, I was like, who had like a really preppy period? Mm. A peppy period, oh, not peppy. preppy. Oh, peppy. Peppy as in chipper. Okay, some some sort of dog adjacent wrestler poochie <laughs> it's not it's not poochie but we are now talking about poochie so uh there you go Wes. poochie is we, we we've solved that problem um private pooches peasantry proceeds peppy period so 
So someone who is like kind of quiet to themselves, mm-hmm. or something like that, and then they a became a, a much more active character. Uh, not not quite. Okay. Um. How about this? Is it is this Roman Reigns? No, okay. although you are much closer than you might think with that. Okay. Because that was the big dog. No, it's he. It is not the big dog. Although, uh, you're. Oh, I. I feel like if I give you any hints, then you're going to immediately get it because you're you're actually really close. Okay. Um. You're right. You're in. You are in it, the exact the correct part. time period. Okay. Yeah, you're in the right time period. So. Time period. Okay, that's an interesting clue. Um, it's not going to be Dean Ambrose. Mm-mm. Trying to think of other wrestlers from that time frame. Cody Rhodes, no. Seth Rollins, not really. He's not a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> not brock lesnar go down go down a bit go down in terms of the card yeah okay is it baron corbin it is baron corbin <laughs> that's private right. pooch the lone, the lone wolf oh my god what a fucking <laughs> nerd <laughs> oh, all right so i've got two one of these is Sip from his peasant his peasantry is when he was bum ass Baron Corbin. Oh so. god! Now he's yeah. so he's happy. He's peppy. He's happy. So. He's happy Corbin now. Uh, the first one here is from uh, Zomba eighty seven, who has picker of press down performs. Uh, uh, picker of press down performs perished pebble pile drivers. Picker of press down. Press down. I just posted in the chat for you to see it. Performs perished. Pebble pressed down drivers perished pebble pile drivers uh that's the undertaker yeah there you go undertaker uh perished pebble tombstone <laughs> yeah it, it, I, I like it it's clever that's oh that's some wordplay right there i like that uh, and then this one i came up with penta prize fighter podcasts proclaims people pigeons Penta Prize Fighter Podcasts proclaims, proclaims people, people pigeons. pigeons. Oh. Penta Prize Fighter Podcasts proclaims people pigeons. Is that Ronda Rousey? No, it's not Ronda oh. Rousey. Because she does that whenever, like, every time she opens her mouth in, like, a, 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 an interview video. Um Penta Prize Fighter. Booker T? That's Booker T. Yeah, Penta five time, baby. Five time, five time, five time, five time. Even champion. though it became six. Uh, <laughs> uh, he does his podcast, and then he used to call people pigeons. Really? Another, well, he used to call people sucker. And a, oh, a sucker okay. is another term for a pigeon, basically. Right, sorry, like, right. uh, in the Cardi speak. Oh, man. Now I'm remembering when R Truth had talked about pigeons one time. That would have been a good one to go with. <laughs> oh, man. That was good. Thank all right. You. Good ones all around. All right. Let's. Surprise uh... fire. I like that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we have. Uh, that t- that'll take us into PPPPPP. Uh, 
I think I didn't want, want too many talk questions. about the chapter. Let's just go on to Mashal. <laughs> chapter 39. Goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> I like Maloli's dress. It's I don't crazy. quite understand it, but it looks it's, very pretty. It's definitely like you can't. It's got so many shapes in it. It's crazy. Uh, and we actually like the, the title page is just her in the dress. And then we see that she's no. She, they, the first scene of the chapter is her trying on this dress. So um, she's in she's trying on dresses. Well, and Fanta's like, oh, yeah, that that dress is cute. What? what, what? And uh, Miloli says, yeah, what is it for? And Fanta says, well, either team needs to wear either black or white. Uh, there's also a black dress if you want that. But Miloli thinks about it, she's like, no, I want to I want to wear white. I mean, I like black more, but this time I want to play to love myself and white's good for celebrations. And Fonda doesn't really say anything in response to this, but he does his little like cat smile thing. And then Maloli looks at Saiba and says, yeah, it's kind of the same for you, too. And Saiba says, well, I was surprised by how crazy I became in the past because I was so jealous of Odagami's genius. And that's also why I want to go beyond that and love myself and the Otogamis. All these people are crazy. They get away with it because they are musicians, but they are all crazy. So it's you're eccentric if you're an artist. That's the thing. So uh, then we get to uh, Rejiro, uh, uh cut out cover to uh, Lucky's group. Rejiro is joined up with Lucky and ponytail guy he's he's getting more and more involved in this series i'm going to have to learn his name i can't just keep ignoring him he's ponytail guy so well nick like every good survivor series team has kind of like one guy you're like yeah sure i guess and then they make it to like the finals and you're like what the hell why is this person still here oh they were the mole all along i never would have paid attention uh so they look over the guest list and ponytail guy memorizes it. And Rachel is like, wait, what just happened? And he says, yeah, uh, I memorize all the guests because lucky needs it for his performance. And he just says, yeah, I'm just really good at studying. So I really good at remembering stuff. Uh, and then he says that he's been studying up on Rajiro recently. Uh, but then we don't follow up on that because he's like, where's Mimin? I thought we all came here together. Um, but um, so they have to go and find her because they don't know where the hell she went. Uh, so they split off from each other uh, and Rajiro and Lucky go off together. And while they're walking, trying to find Mimin, Rajiro looks at Lucky and says, it feels like you've been reborn since our birthday. And Lucky looks at Rajiro in a way that Lucky hasn't looked at like anyone in the series so far. Uh, and some people in our Discord chat put it like he looks way more like an Otogami now. Just this kind of like he's got this smile on his face like he knows something and he's really confident in himself. But uh, Lucky just says, yeah, well, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the things that Fanta and Sorachika said to me. And I realized that I've been acting really bratty. Uh, I'm not, you know, a pro like Fanta. I'm not an artist like Sora Chica. I'm just a kid who loves the piano. And I understand why Fanta won't listen to me. 
and I thought I needed to go up against them in a fair fight. So I killed my former self. Yeah, Lucky's villain era is he's so extra and I'm kind of here for it. Like everything is like an, an elaborate fucking little speech. Like he's so over dramatic with everything. My dude had an epiphany and fucking fell to the floor and like oh, this realization has shooketh me to my core. And I, I like these just how much he's still very nerdy in how fucking sicko mode he's going, basically. And it's not even time for the performance yet. He's already dressed all in black. He is full on symbiote Peter Parker. He, he's not doing a dance. He's just talking about killing his former self to play the piano better. Stop murder. He plays the piano in that scene in, in Spider-Man 3. Oh, <laughs> very briefly, I think. Uh, but Lucky says, I still don't regret playing Going Home to help you, Rageiro. Uh, and Rajiro says, you know, I, I, I loved the kind lucky from before, but I also love the lucky that you've become. It feels like you've evolved. I don't get that from the six of us. Everyone can change a little, but it's hard to imagine what I'd be like if I went beyond what I envisioned for myself. But that's OK. Yeah, I, I, I still love you a lot. So Rajiro doesn't seem put off by the transformation that Lucky's gone through. He's drawn in a kind of uh, somewhat unsettling way, but Rajros feels definitely is saying like, oh, this is a good change. I'm happy for you, bro. He then asks why Lucky wanted to see the list, and Lucky explains that Sorachiki had talked to him about the sadness of the present, but he says, but I don't think that, you know, a graduation ceremony is sad. I said I killed my former self, but I feel sad I can't go back to who I was before. So I want to use those feelings and play for the audience. It's like, okay, it, it, it's more of like a, I don't want to say cliche, but what you would expect more from a graduation ceremony to envelop, which is that what is behind you is done, but it will inform what is going to happen in the future. And it's not necessarily bad that this period is ending. So, it is kind of a weird thing where you start off as like, oh, what's going on with Lucky? And it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Lucky's just he hasn't killed himself. He's had a graduation basically in his head. So um, and Lucky thanks Rachel for being on his side through all this. And then he's like, and thanks for the clothes. And Rachel's like, they look good on you. Rachel's just like he's so happy to be with his brother. He just wants to help him. It's really nice that Lucky has a good sibling. Yeah. Well, he's got two good siblings, but hopefully more soon. <laughs> Speaking of which, I fucking love it because they see him in and my girl is holding a tree branch. They do not explain where. Not. There is no trees around them. <laughs> but my girl found a tree branch and she is going to carry it around like the dog she is. <laughs> Just pure energy um, all the time. So and yeah, they they are there in outside the meeting room uh, when Rageiro and Fanta uh, and Lucky rather get there. They go inside. Fanta's team is also there. Sora Chica is going to be a ninja. That scarf is going everywhere. Uh -huh. uh, and Fanta declares, OK, we've all decided who's going to play what. Meloli will play Plazir de Amor, Sora Chica La Campanella. Rin will play Pomp and Circumstance. Rin, by the way, is wearing a dope and stupid, but also dope mask that's got 
a crescent moon on one half and a fucking piano on the other. <laughs> I assume somewhere out there there's a Yu-Gi-Oh archetype with a character wearing this exact same mask. Like, piano people or whatever nonsense it is, someone has this mask. If not, they're going to have to get on it. Ooh. So, Fonda asks who's playing what. It looks like we're going to get our confirmation of who's matched up against whom uh, in the next chapter. Yes. So. All right. Let's move on to Mashal, Magic and Muscles, Chapter 114, Rio Grants, and the final fight. We get an awesome cover page where we see the four main characters in, like, a confetti fall of, like, red paper. It's a very cool shot. And everyone looks uh, very mm-hmm. good trip. I believe that uh, this might also be marking the uh, top. Yeah, but, but also I think that aren't these the top four popular characters? I or am I so wrong about well, that? Yeah, I think so. Because so. they also announced the U.S. results, which I've forgotten at this moment. But um, Mash be- one. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be crazy if you didn't. Um, so we open with narration that explains things seem desperate as innocent Zero's dark magic descended upon the city. But just before it arrived, Ryu cut the darkness with swords of light and kept the attack from hitting most of the populace. His magic kept casualties to the minimum. Did you really think the flawless Ryu Grants would fall? Come now. He's handsome, smart, and has a killer personality. The strongest man in the world. Real hot stuff and it cuts and it's just Ryu Grants doing the narration. <laughs> And uh, everyone... it's a great reveal because you see a guy um, who's standing fucking, next to him. It's like the dickhead dude, isn't it? It is. Yeah, he's like so he's standing next to Rio Grants while this is going on and you don't see the reveal yet. But you see his reaction as he realizes what's going on just before the reveal happens. So it's good stuff. Very good. And everyone's like this dude rules. Uh, but Rio Grants does say like still he was even stronger than I had feared. And we've got no information on our forces. It'd be perfect if we could capture one of the enemy's flunkies. And he looks over and Cell Wars lying on the ground just trying to act like he doesn't see him. Like, <laughs> So we cut over to the anti-Innocent Zero Coalition Emergency Meeting. Does not have a catchy title, but the people are going to find Innocent Zero. And it is essentially everyone who's remaining from the Divine Visionaries, Rio Grants, called a Gehenna, Mad Order, or not Mad Order, uh, Order something, and... Uh, order Model. Order Model, and uh, Ray Names. Uh, as well as Dot and uh, Lancer also there. I don't believe Finn is there, though, which would make sense. I don't think Rain would probably let him be there. Mm. Uh, so Rio is kind of heading this meaning is just like, you know... We, we lost the attack on the city. We need an immediate counterattack. But we've captured a member of our enemy, so this will work out. And Selvor's like, you're not going to get any information that will harm Father out of me. And Rio's just like, even though he abandoned you. And there's just kind of awkward silence. Mm-hmm. And then just like, oh, now we kind of feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> the fate of the world is on the line. And they're like, oh, I guess we were a little bit oh. mean to him. We kind of cut, we cut a little too deep on that one, I think. Um, there's like an awkward silence and then eventually he's just like, no, I'll never betray my father. No matter what sort of tortures you do, ripping my fingernails off all this, blah, 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 blah. And Rio's like, we're going to be feeding you honey covered sashimi until you talk. And he's like, that's your worst. And he's like, eat it, eat this. And he's like, this, uh, fine. Uh, ugh. <laughs> and I do like Caldo Gehenna is just like, see, it's good. This isn't torture. And Selwar's like, Ugh, this is gross and just cuts to Kato and he's like fainted against the wall like <laughs> uh, 
And Rio Grande is just like, yeah, I didn't even think it was that bad. Maybe it's just acquired taste. Oh, this is gross. And it's the best page turn maybe of the year. He's like, oh, gross. Page turn. Order Maddle just gets so worn in the face. It's like, time for bullshit is over. Tell us what we need to know. Full on. Yes, kicks this dude in the fucking face. <laughs> Bam. Um. Uh, and he's like, look, if you don't tell us, I'm going to stuff your ass so full of sand that you'll be shitting out clumps for the rest of your life. And Selmore is like, all right, I'll talk. Uh, and Selmore basically just goes on to explain the four characters again. He's like, hey, there's, uh, I forget everyone's name. I think it's Deli Saster, who he's like, he never takes anything seriously. And he's the greatest polearm user in the world, which is a specific title to have gotten. But there's nothing he can't pierce. And Rain Ames, of course, like, oh, a polearm user? I'll take that on. Uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, the, the pudding guy, Epidem, I think, or something like that. He loves pudding. You know, there's got to be more to him than that. But then he says, like, oh, I, I think I recall he made a potion to drain a person's life and magic energy from them. And Lance suddenly gets, like, very serious because this mm-hmm. might have been what happened to his sister. Mm-hmm. And then Selwar continues, the second child and the eldest are the worst. The second son makes even the eldest and even father wary, for father's blood runs thickest through him. And I forget his name, Jester, evil dude, uh, just like walks in and sees Doom sitting on a chair and like tries to stab him with a bunch of playing cards. And he's like, I like your chair. Give me your chair. I want to sit in your chair. And even has like a playing card, it's like kind of starting to cut his throat. And then fucking doom just like swipes a hand breaks the guy's neck twists it around and you see him like grit his teeth in anger as he starts to like pull back and doom's just like fine fuck it take the chair (laughs) and like walks away and uh famine people are saying uh just sits in the chair and he's all happy he's like slapping and he's like oh this is great got my chair got my chair and two subordinates show up and he's, he's just like who do you think is stronger us me or doom and the first guy's like, I, you know, I, I guess you're stronger. And Famine just ripped, not like punches, grabs the head and rips it straight off. And he's like, if I'm stronger than him, why was I able to kill him? And then he asks the other guy, he's like, who do you think is stronger? And the other guy's like, uh, Doom. And you're like, why would you have said that answer? I, <laughs> like, of course, I don't think there was an answer to not get your head ripped off, to be completely oh, no. honest. But uh, he rips that guy's head off saying, like, he's saying I'm weak. You know what? Fuck it. I don't even want this chair anyway. He starts stomping the chair. He's like, yeah, you know what I want? I want a sword. I'm going to take a sword. I'll add it to my collection. Uh, so Order's like, well, that dude sounds fucking crazy. And so War's like, yeah, that's the unpredictability that makes him so dangerous. And you seem pretty proud of your abilities, but, you know, you could never beat him. And then Rio just interjects like, all right, well, we've settled the matchups. I'll take the strongest. <laughs> so... This is going great. Uh, and then just says, like, by the way, Thorny One, you might be right about us not being able to win. But there are times when you must put your life on the line and fight anyway. That's what makes a man. Why did you have to say something that was actually cool? Yeah. Like, God, that's so cool. Fuck you. <laughs> but Caldo Gehenna notes, his confidence suggests he's hiding something. No matter how strong the opponent, the Divine Visionary shouldn't have lost so easily. There is something else going on. And then we get the end of the chapter. It's just one day till the eclipse. Our world will fade to oblivion if we don't stop them. So it's time to face the enemy head on like men. And you just see the group starting to head out towards the castle. Yeah. 
Uh, also, they're dragging uh, Domina behind them. Selvar, yeah. Yeah, just Selvar, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, it was nice to get a little bit more detail into some of the brothers that we haven't really gotten to know as much. Uh, Famine in particular does seem, you know, way more dangerous as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Just this weird entity of murder you chaos. Uh, and I like the contrast that he strikes with Doom, who is so straightforward and serious. Uh, and also it makes Doom look good because he's just like, yeah, I know that you just murder everything, but I don't care. You're annoying. Go away. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it looks like we've got some matchups set up. We also have a little a little bit of intrigue. Maybe maybe Aoyama's the traitor, guys. So we will uh, see more of this later. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I do want to briefly talk a little bit about the uh, one-shot that was written by Tatsuki Fujimoto. Uh, artwork not by Fujimoto, but rather by an artist named Oto Toda. Although the artwork does resemble in some ways Fujimoto's artwork. It seems like it was it's clearly meant to be like a Fujimoto work. It's just this short story uh, about a guy who uh, confesses to a girl that he's had a crush on for a long time uh, and she clearly is not giving him the time of day but he gives her handwritten on a note a URL to a YouTube video of his confession song for her to listen to he's like look before you give me your answer listen to the song that i that i that i wrote and performed for you and then give me your answer uh, and then he goes to the school the next day and oh uh not only is she is the answer no but she thought the video was hilarious so she showed it to a bunch of people at the school which sucks uh you shouldn't do that um but it's to be expected i suppose uh and uh then <laughs> A bunch of weird shit happens just because it's a Fujimoto series because people start to realize like, wait a minute, there's some weird stuff going on in this video. Is that a ghost behind you <laughs> at this point in it? Um, and there's a really weird moment where like he's thinking about deleting it and some girl who never shows up in the entire rest of the story stops him while he's walking down the hallway and just says, don't delete the video. It'll anger the spirits. So... Uh, he thinks that he's got that in his mind. He's like, I mean, she said it was cursed, so I guess I won't delete it. Also, the video's uh, getting viewed by tons and tons of people. The more people view it, the more they start to read into all this weird stuff. Like, oh, hey, his cat 30 seconds in dashes through. That symbolizes the sun. And there's a sky fish in the window at this point. And if you translate the lyrics to Spanish, it's actually like a big anti-God song. And half a billion people watch the video so the kid decides to uh, record a follow-up, uh, and people watch it and are like, no, oh, this wasn't nearly as interesting. So the channel dies immediately. Uh, so then he deletes his videos, and people move on. And then the girl, while he's in on the train, the girl he confessed to, sits next to him, and uh, she downloaded the song and lets him listen to her you know, download of it. And she says, yeah, I mean, like it was kind of pointless for you to delete the videos at this point. So many people saw them that they just downloaded them anyway. Both the songs you performed were about when you sketched me in middle school, art class, right? Super cringy. And he gets embarrassed and just looks down at his, and just like grabs his backpack and just like hides his face. And that's the end of the story. Uh, it's, 
it's it's um it it's tempting to like do an analysis of this because it really feels like it's a it's a, a little story about overanalyzing stuff uh which just makes me want to get into overanalyzing it but uh i thought it was just kind of an interesting um microcosm of like hey Sometimes people without the context will really read into, you know, the artistic decisions of other people and won't actually get them. But if you get the context, maybe you will actually get the point. And I do like the, you know, explanation of like, hey, this this girl like understood this guy well enough that she got what he was going for and was willing to laugh at him. But also was like, yeah, I get I got what you were going for. You were being really cringy, though. It's like, OK. Oh, my yeah, I feel, I feel like if anyone went through this, they would die <laughs> just from sheer embarrassment. It's like, oh, why did I do this? But um, yeah, another good Fujimoto story. So yeah, good by the way, speaking of Tatsuki Fujimoto, we got some news recently. Hey, did you know that Chainsaw Man's having a part two? Yes, that is still happening. Woo! <laughs> That's happening. It is starting next week. I believe I know it's manga plus and I believe Shonen Jump is also going to be doing it as well. I think I'm not a hundred percent certain on that, uh, but it'll be coming out on Wednesdays, which as many of you know, that is the day we record. <laughs> so we, we, we do want to throw it out there. We'll try to gauge, I guess the interest for it. We can always just, you know, try to read it ahead of time. It probably comes out around noon. I'm assuming or something like that. Or, this might be fun. We just always live read it every week. Just be like, well, let's just see what happens in the moment. Uh, yeah. I fear what our audience is going to put us through. So, Rise as... Dragon got added to the recap. That wasn't even an option. Ah, uh, if you want me to be bored for five minutes more every week. Um, yeah, well, uh, so yeah, let us know, uh, if you listen to this after the fact, Hey, just, you know, I guess, I guess just like I, in the recap discussion page, like the actual podcast discussion page, Hey, just like make your thoughts known what you think we should do or not. And, uh, we will see what the people want us to be doing. Anyway, we have, uh, just one more series to cover this week. Uh, since we didn't have like any of our you know, like bi-weekly uh, stuff or our monthly stuff. Uh, so it's going to be closing on The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 60 Nice, Exorcism 1335. So last time the Kokushi uh, had a giant freaking siege engine with a crane that served as a moving sentry tower thing. Uh and so things were looking bad. But also, while that was going on, recall that uh, Tokitsugu had engaged that one Tengu ninja guy in combat. And uh, apparently, uh, he got the hell away at some point while they were fighting in the trees uh, and just vanished and used took advantage of the fact that he has a very faint presence, Kuroko style. Um, so... The Tengu thinks like, okay, well, but he can't see me either. So as soon as I spot him, I'll use my superior speed and I'll kill him. Uh, and he spots someone hiding behind a bush. 
dashes towards them, uh, throws a knife, and uh, it was Genba in disguise. And he unleashes this bomb uh, that stops the blade in midair. And as it explodes outward, uh, it unfurls into this massive net. And he says, like, yeah, I modified these iron balls that I bought in Kyo and strung them together into this net. So Genba is responsible for taking the Tengu out. He got his revenge. Ha ha. Uh, and essentially Genba was able to take advantage of the fact that Togitsugu knocked this guy off balance. And so even, you know, in the middle of combat, he was able to just use a really shoddy disguise, get this sneak attack on this guy. And uh, Togitsugu tries to be all cool and stuff. It just says, hey, watch the battle conclude because then you're going to know how much you've been beaten. Also, Genbug has this big moment where he's like, I love fooling people in battle. That's his big moment. It's like, I love making people look like idiots. Uh, the Kakushi sees that uh, Yorishige's forces just launched this massive all-out attack on the war machine. He is confident that it will keep him safe. Everyone's eyes are on Yorishige as he waves his curved sword around. And we get this narration that explains that, yeah, because it's this bizarre weapon, it attracts a lot of people's attention and it probably actually gives them a morale boost. Uh, and then Yorishige, while they're all charging forward, he turns behind him to look at Tokiyuki and he says, hey, the main force is going to distract the guards around the machine. Use an opening to shoot the Kakushi with this arrow and he gives him an arrow that looks like he's, it's got this like obsidian point to it. Uh, the Kakushi, his forces launch all these crossbow bolts down at everyone. But Yoroshige is confident that Tokyuki will make it through safe. He's like, Oh, look, I'm surrounded by all these supporters. My divine power is at maximum, I can see that you are going to be fine with you with your retainers. All these arrows that are flying around you, none of them will strike you. Not that one, not that one, not even that one. And Tokyuki is practically dancing on horseback through this cloud of arrows. And he rides his horse up the slope of the war machine, takes off through the air, turns fires behind him through a gap in the tower and the arrow just nicks the Kakushi's neck as it flies past him. And uh, Tokyuki flies off his horse as he does this and Ayako catches him on the way down so that he lands safely. And Kakushi goes, oh, ha, tis but a scratch. I'm going to kill all of you. Oh, God, it hurts. And he, his, it feels like his body is literally on fire. We get this very bizarre uh image of him like he's sparkling with diamonds uh is what it is what the visual is because he's burning so much and we get an explanation that the arrow that was given to tokyuki was an obsidian arrow of exorcism shaped with divine energy that burns away demonic power and the kakushi because he feels as though he is on fire he leans out the window uh, and and calls for water. But as he's leaning through the window, another arrow strikes his collar and snags him with his head leaning outside of the tower. And um, then uh, Hoshino rides up the tower just like Tokiyuki did, leaps off his horse, flies through the air towards the Kakushi, and we get this like flashback of 
all the bad shit that Kakushi did, all the people he tortured and killed. And he thinks to himself in his final moments, I just wanted to build a new world. And then his head gets chopped off. Oh, what was me? <laughs> so this was dope. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool little closure of this little, I guess, story arc kind of thing. I don't know what you'd even call it. This is a character who's shown up like on and off for like 30 chapters. Uh, but it was a good yeah. little closure to it and uh, a good little story. Yep. Takagi's supporters are dropping left and right. Uh, it feels like he his time is coming soon. Maybe not in this battle, but it's it can't be far off at this point. Yeah. Uh, I suppose, uh, since we're about to wrap up, I will real quick talk about, there was a chapter of Dr. Stone, a chapter 232.1, terraforming. <laughs> uh, and it honestly is not a chapter of substantial import, essentially, a bunch of characters were going to uh, Taiju and uh, Yuzuria's honeymoon, which is an insane thing, but whatever. I guess they're all very close. Uh, and then the plane gets struck by lightning, goes down in the sea, and everyone petrifies themselves to stay safe. And Senku is the one who's revived first and has to basically do everything again, but from the water <laughs> uh, to get everyone yeah. back. Because that's how they're stuck at the moment. And he does it. Uh, I guess they ship him and, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Kohaku? Kohaku. Yeah, I don't know why I was like, going to call her Kohaku. Uh, Kohaku a little bit. At least there's a lot of flirting that goes on. It's mostly her. She, she flirts at him. Yeah, so. And he's just like, look, we got work to do. <laughs> yeah. So a Senku may it's still pretty, be it's, a valid it's, reading. consistent, so, yeah. honestly. So. Uh, but there is that, and then. That's pretty much it. There's like a couple like small little character beats and things like that. Uh, but it's not like anything substantial happens until you get to the very end and they're like, hey, cool. We made it to Norway. We found this fucking awesome, super rare alloy, you know, silicon metal. This is great. And they're like, why is this so important? Like, well, now we can make semiconductors and that's going to help us make a time machine. Well, but also specifically to build the time machine, we're going to need stuff that's not on Earth. And that's because our our next mission is to terraform other planets and construct cities in space. Yep. And that's where we end the series. Everyone's like, what? That's crazy. We're going to make a bunch of Dr. Stones. Holy shit. You know, it's it's crazy stuff. And that's that's the way the series ends. Um, You know, it's a fine little chapter. I, I, I have nothing against it. It's, you know, good to see these characters again. You did kind of like, I kind of missed them. Yeah, it, it does very much feel like that plus a bit more kind of yeah. thing. Uh, it's it's a it's a nice tiny representation of the series as a whole. I did like the demonstration of St. Elmo's fire where Senku just gets up and just holds his finger up and <laughs> lightning shoots into the air. Uh, it's a cool visual. Um, yeah, that that's I think you covered it, though. Um, hey, here's everyone that we liked. And also Chelsea. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if you don't read this chapter, I don't think you're missing out on the Dr. Stone experience. You could read this as like a slightly more conclusive chapter. Although it still doesn't confirm that Stanley and Zeno are definitely dating, which is really the only thing I care to have confirmed at this point. So yep. there you go. Yep. 
also it's such a it is such a dr stone thing that it's like everyone's joined us for our honeymoon so that we could gather resources like come on just you it's you guys just say no just say that you would like some time with your fucking wife but they're my best friends everyone's my friend i love spending time with my friends dude just just take like a day there's a (laughs) there is a limit to golden retriever boyfriend energy and he has surpassed (laughs) it like at some point you're like all right easy on the golden retriever heavier on the boyfriend please for just a just just a week (laughs) just a little yeah uh yeah it was a fun little thing all right (laughs) i i guess that we're done now yes what what is a quinn what is a quinn oh it's just scrolling through twitter and it's just one of like the meme pictures and it's jane goodall a quote from her saying i showed some chimps a picture of the undertaker and they killed themselves <laughs> and i was like why <laughs> it just really tickled me for some reason <laughs> oh i'm sorry what the fuck <laughs> I don't even follow this account. I don't know why I got it put onto my feed. But it did make me laugh. All right, let's talk about our favorites and MVP this week. I will let's go do first. that. Uh, Undead Unluck basically made me cry this week, so it's going to be my chapter mm-hmm. of the week. I can't give it to anything else. If a series gets that emotion out of me, boom, you got it. Fair enough, fair enough. My favorite series this week is going to be Blue Box. Uh, I love Taiki being a... S- it's too relatable honestly <laughs> i remember being i remember being that age it's the tripping at the end that makes it him tripping oh, at the end you're like yeah yeah you're a dork i can relate to anyone who trips randomly have you seen the weird proportions of my limbs i <laughs> it's a miracle i don't fall over every third step i take uh, uh, my MVP, I'm going to give to Evil Lucky. I like his villain era. I'm here for it. And you know what? I, I just kind of like it. Dude, dude <laughs> completely legitimately was like, I killed myself. <laughs> and you're just like, this dude's so extra. I'm, I'm here for every step of it. Venom symbiote Lucky. <laughs> but yeah, put, can we put that Venom symbiote Lucky? I know, I know Ninja won't, but if I had that, see the votes truly for Oh, gosh. I, f- I thought that I had this picked out before, but I don't remember when I wanted to stay. Um, hmm. I dove. All right, well, here. Okay, in, 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 the, in the meantime, I will note Band that for me, the please. MVP yeah. for the, or the audience's pick for series of the week was Undead Unlock, and Karashi from Akane Banashi was the MVP of the week. Although but there were stuff from all over the place. Miko, Rio Grant, Bakugo. Um, <laughs> some of it for the little alien from Aliens area. So even out of that one is not <sighs> really I am actually going to go for Rio Grant. Uh, just because the joke with uh, him doing his own narration was really good. Um, yeah. it just, it just he's It's narrating and then just as you're starting to realize like this is a little this is actually a little bit too praise it's like oh he's actually doing his own narration and that's good good joke so i'll give that yeah that's gonna do it for weekly market recap guys 
Thank you all for joining us here on twitch.tv slash We will be back same time, same channel Wednesdays around 730 to 8 Eastern time in the evening uh, as we start talking about some more manga. And we should have more of our regular, a little bit, just a little bit more uh, of our manga back by then. And uh, as we're currently making our way as well through Pokemon Black and White, uh, Pokemon Adventure Black and White, I should say. Um, if you would like to make your own suggestion for a future manga for us to read, you can do that via the Google Doc that is maintained by Ninja X3i, which keeps track of all the recommendations we've been through, statistics associated with the show, including MVP and favorite series voting for the past, uh, year-end awards, all sorts of good stuff. If you don't know where to find that Google Doc, well, join us on our Discord server, because there you can find discussions about the chapters that, that are part of the recap as they come out. You can join in on talking about the recommended series as we're getting ready for it. Uh, and there are helpful links there. There's also bi-weekly game nights that are held amongst our community. It's a great channel. We would also like to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Winsley Dale Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of Weekly Manga Recap and uh, Winsley for creating uh, more stuff that you'll be seeing soon. Uh, uh, but, uh, well, I won't give it away for the people that haven't already heard us talking about it. You could probably find that very easily. But anyway... <laughs> If you'd like to listen to more episodes, you can check out weeklymongerecap.podbean.com as well as iTunes and Spotify and generally anywhere that podcasts can be listened to. Search for Weekly Manga Recap. Video version of the show is on youtube.com slash weeklymongerecap where you can see uh, the as well the tile cards that are sometimes made for us by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out, and twitter.com slash stevemannart and a lot of other places wherever, you know, cheesecakey stuff can be shared at least. Uh, and uh, if you want more Weekly Manga Recap, we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, we do occasional uh, bonus episodes every month and uh, other things. Yes. One just went up very recently where Nick talked about his beloved uh, Scholastic book series. Are you, are you tantalizing people by not naming it or do you not remember it? No, I remember it. It's, <laughs> okay. It's, it's, yeah. But if you want to check it out, you can check it out on, on the Patreon. So go check that out there. <laughs> and that should be it. Nice. So, yeah, good stuff. I'm just staring at this picture of Order Metal kicking Selwar in the face. Uh, <laughs> satisfy you? Like, because that is actually like a, a war crime. It's good exercise. But, you know, on this plus side, there is something very satisfying about seeing someone get kicked straight in the face. Yeah. Oh, right. Now I now I flipped to the page where it looked like uh, Hina was going to kiss Taiki. Hmm. What if I could shift that one? Alright, I don't know where this is going, but I'm terrified. Where's the best, so... panel? best panel from this? Where's the panel from this where he goes like, yeah, there it is. Okay, yeah, there we go. There's where he trips. Okay, good. There you go. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>